Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Terry Shaw at the Manitoba Trucking Association on new mandatory training for drivers. Chuck Davidson at the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce on Canada's canola crisis with China. And Dr. Mike Dow, hypnotize your way to better health. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. The province announced this morning, Minister Ron Schuler announced that there will be mandatory trucker training in the province starting September 1st, 121 and a half hours. Let me play a Schuler clip here and then we'll talk to the head of the Manitoba Trucking Association about this Terry Shaw. Take a listen. This is Minister Schuler. With the announcement. It's like with everything. You have to have a certain date when this comes into effect. And we've, we've picked September 1st. Uh, we get through um, the, the designing of exactly what it's going to look like. And then after that, everybody's going to have to have training uh, with the, with the one-year deferral for agriculture. So uh, it, that's the date we chose. I, I don't think there's any magic in that date or any other date. We had to pick one day, and that was the day that we chose. By then, we'll have the full program ready to go. We'll have um, all the details ironed out, and we'll go out with the full product. We've been talking for a long time about this with Terry Shaw, the executive director of the Manitoba Trucking Association, and Terry is on the phone with us now. Good afternoon, Terry. Hi, Hal. So your initial reaction, good news? Certainly a good first step uh, when it comes to increasing road safety in Manitoba. Absolutely. Um, Don't have a lot of detail, unfortunately, at this point. Um, Haven't heard anything in specific from the province other than what has been released to you folks, uh, uh, you know, during their press conference, which we weren't uh, available to attend. So um, positive first step, but still a lot of questions uh, to be answered. What were some specifics you were were hoping to hear? And, And maybe I can help fill in the blanks for you a bit. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, a lot of our specifics in regards to the 121, and we're we're well versed in that. We have had conversations with MPI, Manitoba Infrastructure, and, and a number of others on that. The as they say, the devil is in the details, right? Like, w- what are the requirements around instructors going to be? What are the requirements around approved schools going to be? Um, you know, what is the level of oversight and enforcement and regulation when it comes to applying this 121 hours of training? Not all training is equal. We need to ensure that there is quality training being done with appropriate regulation and oversight in place. And we we haven't received any of those answers yet. All right, so that's interesting. Do you think maybe this was an announcement that kind of needed to be made? The timing was important to get the announcement out there, but details not ready yet and will follow at some point? Is, is that the sense you get here? Uh, unfortunately, the sense we get is the opposite, is that the details are in hand uh, and they just haven't been shared yet. Now, we don't know that for a fact. That is speculation. Um, but, you know, that is the assumption that many in our industry are, are working on right now, unfortunately. Um, we have been invited to a meeting um, April 3rd with MPI where uh, we believe they are going to be unveiling the requirements around schools and curriculum and, and some other uh, items. But again, we received that invite 
I want to say it was about an hour ago. So we haven't had any advanced conversations at this point yet. Um, and again, we haven't had any advanced conversations with Manitoba Infrastructure prior to today's announcement, other than, you know, uh, as the MELT consultations and, and other items were being had. So, um, you know, a good first step. We, we certainly need to acknowledge that, but still a lot of questions uh, to be answered when it comes to program details. You and I have talked about this before. You guys, the Trucking Association, it seems, and and other uh, players in this, other partners, seem to be kind of on the outside looking in. Why why is that? I don't understand this. Uh, I don't know either. So what I will suggest, to to be totally clear, is we have been involved with MPI, Manitoba Infrastructure, Manitoba Education and Training. Um, They have provided us a lot of their time when it comes to hearing us out in regards to providing insight and advice. Um, You know, our industry is obviously very good at truck driver training. We're intimate with it. We've got subject matter experts uh, within industry who who are doing this now. So they have accepted that feedback. Um, What we don't know right now is how much of it they're going to actually utilize um, because they haven't provided us that detail. That is the concern right now. Um, And it is, you are correct, absolutely something we are concerned about, something we're questioning. Um, And so, you know, as soon as we learned of today's announcement, we reached out to the minister's office um, and are, you know, awaiting that further detail. Let's uh, dig into this a bit more because one thing you've also said as we've talked about this over the last many weeks and months Manitoba's already doing a pretty good job. This is a bare minimum, a mandatory now, but Manitoba overall does a good job of training drivers, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, again, ultimately, our industry is safe. Um, you know, that's not my opinion. Those are, you know, road safety statistics. And why that is, is because many in our industry live well above uh, the legal minimum requirements. So the province and MPI have taken a step to improve the legal minimum pre-licensing requirement. And we absolutely acknowledge that and endorse that. That said, we are in conversation with Manitoba Education and Training now um, because, Just like showing up on a job site with a hammer doesn't qualify you to be a carpenter, showing up in a truck with a Class 1 license doesn't qualify you to work safely and successfully as a truck driver. So many in our industry um, are are not concerning themselves in engaging with the pre-licensing training for their employees. They need pre-employment training, which right now in Manitoba is a six-week standard, 240 hours. And you are correct. We have partnered with Manitoba Education and Training on the uh, a funded training program over the last year that saw hundreds of Manitobans trained to the standard. Um, they recently extended funding for that program for the next 60 days, and we are in conversation with them about making that funding permanent. You know, this province needs truck drivers. But, you know, our industry, uh, and quite frankly, all Manitoban road users, need those truck drivers to be trained and safe. I don't know if you want to weigh in on this or not, but I know coming up on the news starting at 4 o'clock with Richard Clucci and Julie Buckingham, they're going to have somebody on, hopefully, from Manitoba Public Insurance. But when I saw the date of September 1st, I thought, oh boy, the backlog in MPI is going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, uh, again, we haven't heard uh, from MPI on the backlog um, 
uh, you know, status so far. They have taken steps in advance of uh, making their pre-licensing training announcement to try and mitigate that backlog. Um, but yeah, September is still, you know, six months away. Um, and then beyond that, there is uh, the concerns around what they're calling an egg exemption for another year on top of that. So that puts us at 18 months. Um, you know, before many Manitobans will require pre-licensing training. So we're not too sure the impact that will have on the backlog. And again, we are uh, looking forward to having some conversations with MPI uh, around that issue. Terry, anything else before I let you go? Any final thoughts or anything you want to get out there? No, I just, as always, we appreciate the interest. Uh, We are looking forward to providing uh, some more comments when we have more details. Um, But until then, stay tuned. Thanks for your interest, Hal. Terry, thanks again. Thank you. That is uh, Terry Shaw. He is the executive director of the Manitoba Trucking Association reacting to the province's announcement today. Mandatory trucker training in the province starting September 1st of 121 hours. Chuck Davidson is the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, and he joins us on the phone now. Good afternoon, Chuck. Hey, Hal. Uh, So the uh, Prime Minister in Winnipeg uh, meeting today with Hartley Richardson over the Chinese canola crisis, this dispute, and uh, I wanted to get you on and and find out if this escalates, and I think a lot of people worry that it might, how might this affect the province of Manitoba? Obviously, this canola situation is not good, but it could get worse. Well, and that's absolutely the case. I think when you look in terms of uh, trading partners for specifically Manitoba, our number two trading partner is with China. In regards to on an annual basis, we export close to $1.4 billion worth of goods uh, to China on an annual basis. And so the the majority of that's going to be in wheat, in pork, in canola. Uh, And so those are some of the main things that we're exporting on an annual basis. So anything that's going to create a level of uncertainty is bad for the Manitoba economy. Because when you look specifically at the issue of canola, for example, uh, and the rationale that we've been given as to as to why this canola is not being accepted, um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of hand-wringing going on, and I think there's a lot of concern that this isn't being based on science whatsoever, and this is, has got to do with, with something a lot larger than that. But I think if, if, the, if that level of uncertainty with those that have been uh, trading, and this has been a good trade partner for close to 100 years in the case of the Richardsons, if you're a farmer right now and you're making determinations as to what you're going to plant in the field come this spring, this may have a, uh, a concern for you, or if this is something you've done on an ongoing basis. So there's a really a trickle down that will impact the economy. So obviously, you know, we would agree with, uh, with a lot of other stakeholders that say, you know what, we need to get a delegation to China. We need to find a resolution to this sooner rather than later uh, so that we can get back to business as normal. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, because that's what Prime Minister Trudeau said he is considering, sending a delegation over there. It seems to me that should have been done by now. I can't believe it hasn't happened before now. Well, absolutely. I think this is a is a key uh, issue that, that we would suggest that we need a resolution. Uh, you know, this has been going on for three weeks in regards to with the Richardson situation. Uh, we need a resolution to this. This is way too important to the Canadian economy. Uh, when you look in terms of Canadian canola, it exports, it's close to $2.7 billion from Canada to China. That's 40% of, uh, of all Canadian canola is going to China. So uh, this is a significant uh, impact on the Canadian economy that needs a resolution to this. And I think the least we should be doing is, is trying to get a lot more clarification as to uh, what the, the challenges are, but how quickly can we find a resolution to this situation? Because this is one that will have a negative impact 
on the Canadian economy and every province as well. You mentioned the ag sectors. Those are the big ones, right? I mean, are there any yeah. other things in this province that might be impacted? Well, I'm not necessarily sure things that are, are sent over there, but you could look at things like nickel, you know, soybeans. But for the most part, it is going to be agricultural products. Those are the big, uh, in terms of what we export on an annual basis and on a regular basis, those are the big ones. Uh, and so those are the ones that are going to be felt first. Uh, and I think that's, that's a real challenge is that we've started with canola. Is there something next? Does this continue to escalate? Uh, and that's part of the problem is that, you know, the one thing business hates is they hate uncertainty. And we went through that with the NAFTA discussions. We felt that the uncertainty that the business community was feeling, not knowing what that relationship and that trade relationship with the U.S. was going to be. A lot of businesses were holding off on making decisions in terms of whether they were going to uh, increase capital, whether they were going to expand, whether they were going to hire more people. That level of uncertainty creates a bit of a stall in the economy. And what we're starting to see is we're seeing that again when it comes to, to this issue with China in terms of the sooner we can get back to a level of normalcy, the better it's going to be for all business people on both sides. Well, and some people are saying, well, we won't take China's stuff. But really, uh, when you compare China and Manitoba or even Canada, I mean, it, it, it's it's not even close, right? Well, no, that that's not exactly true, because I think when you look in terms of how much we import from China, it's close to $1.2 billion as well. So there is a little bit of leverage that, that Manitoba could potentially play on something like this. You don't like to necessarily get into these battles of, of retaliatory tactics going both ways. Uh, that's what we saw with the U.S. when it came to steel and what happened. Uh, and we, you know, we prefer to have these more of a more of an open trade uh, uh, process going on. But at the same time, we're just as important, maybe not as important in the overall, you know, China's economy. But uh, 1.2 billion dollars is is a significant amount that we import from China as well. So this is a big trading partner for for Manitoba specifically that. Uh, we need to make sure that this continues and is beneficial both ways. Well, I sure hope it doesn't escalate to pork and some of these uh, other ag products. Uh, and you, you're absolutely right when you say that, you know, farmers are making decisions now about what they're going to seed. And uh, this is really important stuff. We got to get this figured out and get it figured out fast. Absolutely. The sooner that we can find a resolution to this, and this is why you're going to need some political leadership on this, and not only just from the feds, but this should be something that, you know, we would encourage the provincial government to take part in as well. Let's go and have those discussions, find a resolution to this, uh, and get things back to normal as quickly as possible. Chuck, thanks for your time. Thanks, Al. Uh, But joining us now on the phone is an author, Dr. Mike Dow. Good afternoon, Dr. Mike. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for doing this. So let's talk about your latest book, Your Subconscious Brain Can Change Your Life. Really? I really do believe that. And I am just so fascinated by the scientifically valid power of hypnosis and your subconscious brain. So um, on the front cover of my new book, you'll see my brain scan. So you'll see my brain at rest and then you'll see my brain on hypnosis and you'll see a spec scan so you can see how hypnosis changes blood flow in my brain you look at an EEG you can see how hypnosis changes my brain waves and you can really change your life with this scientifically magical change that's occurring in your brain so it doesn't matter if you have a physical problem chronic pain uh, if you have a phobia stress insomnia 
there are just so many things for so many people. Um, and we can all learn how to very simply learn how to activate the subconscious brain, learning self-hypnosis with the tools in my book, so that you can really change your life and in whatever way that you would like to change your life. And is this something we can learn quickly, or will it take quite a bit of time to get good at it? That's a great question. So you can learn the basic techniques in my book, uh, you know, in 30 minutes. Um, that being said, we know from research, and I cite a lot of studies from really respected medical journals in my book, um, and we know that the more you use it, the more profound the benefits. So once you use the practices in my book, and by the way, uh, every book comes with an audio track, um, so you'll hear my voice leading you through these these hypnosis practices. Um, and once you start to use them about eight times, we really start to see some profound change in research when it comes to weight loss, insomnia. Um, so yeah, you can really learn it. And then in about eight sessions, you can start to really see um, that, that benefit in your life. How did you find this technique? You're a psychotherapist. How did you come across this? Well, you know, here's my confession. <laughs> so I've always been pretty by the book and sort of this left brain scientific thinker. I'm doing a lot of very, you know, traditional, tried and true cognitive behavioral therapy in my practice. Right. And, you know, I had studied everything and I needed continuing education credits for my license. And I saw this, uh, uh, the beginning four-day hypnosis training with the, uh, with the Society of Hypnosis, of Clinical Hypnosis. And, you know, I said, okay, why not? And I did not believe that I was going to be hypnotizable. And I just thought, oh, it's just something I'll learn. I need the hours anyway. And let me just tell you, when we went into these groups and we had to practice on each other, I experienced something that was so profound, so deep, and so healing um, the very first time that I was hypnotized, and I, I was not expecting that. And in that moment, I knew that I was a hardcore believer, and I knew that I was going to, you know, I finished uh, the advanced training with the society. I read every book. You know, I just became absolutely obsessed with hypnosis because, you know, I, I've seen in my practice that no matter what I'm treating, it has really allowed me to supercharge and speed up uh, the treatment and help people to get better so much faster. And how many sessions before you may see relief in, let's say, chronic pain, for example? Oh, in one session, people often will experience relief from chronic pain. Uh, we know that, you know, there's a study with uh, burn victims. I mean, these were people hospitalized in a severe amount of pain and 47 percent of them experienced a significant reduction in pain and these are people who are you know obviously on some pretty heavy iv prescription pain medications so if you're just uh you know needing to relieve a headache or a migraine or back pain or back pain digestion pain um ibs you know this can be really really wonderful for that and you can start to see benefits and, and relief in pain um, almost instantly, um, in about 20 seconds, once you learn how to hypnotize yourself um, and, and using some of the pain relief techniques that I talk about in the book um, to heal the body, it's, it's, it's pretty instant. And we also know that it's long-lasting. So in that same study, um, they found that the pain relief um, actually lasted um, not just for you know a couple minutes, but it lasted throughout the day. And the reduction in pain was um, also uh, present three months later. Uh, when the researchers went back to see how these how these burn victims were doing. You know, I've had guests on my show before that talk about meditation. Is this kind of a deeper form of that? The benefits of meditation, I think, are maybe better known than the benefits of hypnosis. That's exactly right, and it is deeper. We know from EEGs that most meditation is slowing your brain from, you know, fast beta, that's a really stressed out brainwave, down into relaxed alpha, 
that's meditation. But hypnosis slows your brain down even more. And then we start to see theta brain waves. That's the same brain wave that you exhibit when you are dreaming at night. So it does feel deeper, it feels dreamier, and you can do more with it. So, you know, both meditation and hypnosis are effective for chronic pain. But hypnosis has a bag of tricks um, that uh, meditation doesn't have. So, for example, uh, because hypnosis can change what's called top-down processing in the brain, it can start to tell the brain that it will only start to notice the places in the body where you feel comfortable and relaxed. And it sort of can rewire and reprogram the brain in a way that nothing else can, no other mind tool can do, which I find to be just completely fascinating. And it's why there's so many stage shows about it, because it can do some pretty magical things. Dr. Mike, thanks a lot for doing this. Very interesting stuff. Thanks so much for having me. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.